You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Is it though, or is it just a special edition, a Friday night edition of ESPN New York with me flying solo? Who's really to say? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. The show's title's in the, the eye of the beholder. Here we go, off and running. Friday night, Gordon Damer solo in for this edition of either ESPN New York Tonight or the Gordon Damer, however you want to look at it, this uh, Friday, September 24th. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. You can find me on Twitter, at, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But more importantly, right here on your radio, next two hours, and we got more than enough to keep us busy. We got everything with week three to run down, Jets-Broncos. Is this the week the Jets get a win? Giants-Falcons. Is this the week the Giants get a win? Oh, my God, it better be. It better be the week they get a win. Everything around the NFL, all the Sam Darnold hot takes after last night. Sam Darnold's 3-0. and Okay. Uh, but where we begin? We begin tonight with where we are focused tonight, and that, of course, would be on the New York Yankees. Yankees and Red Sox up at Fenway started their series at Fenway, started the final nine games of this regular season, nine games that will tell the tale of this Yankee season. And it's really not more difficult than this. Do the Yankees make the postseason, or is the season an abject failure? And just because it's the first option, doesn't mean that it can't also be the second option. But if it's the second option, well, obviously it's not going to be the first option, if that makes any sense. The Yankees can win all nine games. They can sweep the Red Sox. They can sweep the Blue Jays. They can sweep the Rays. And you and I both know, as great as that would be to be in the postseason, maybe even hosting a wild card game, right? The Yankees season could just as easily be a failure if they lose that wild card game. So Yankees opening things up at Fenway tonight, and I think going into this weekend, going into these final nine games, we talked with Larry last night, I'm not all that confident, mainly because I've watched the Yankees this year, and there's nothing worse than feeling confident in the 2021 New York Yankees. As soon as you're in, they drag you back out. That has been the case all season long. That has been the brand of the 2021 Yankees, be it terrible losses early in the season, every time you think, all right, they're starting to put things together. The 13-game winning streak basically followed up with maybe their worst baseball of the entire season. But yet, you can't kill them either because they come into the night trailing the Red Sox but leading the Blue Jays in the race for that second wild card. And I know we've run this down before, and Yankee fans might not want to believe it, But yes, even despite all the struggles this year, despite all the disappointment this year, despite all the frustration that you may have in the past, right now, with the way the team is built, of course you want to be in the postseason. Because if you're in the the dance, if you're in the tournament, you have a chance to change the script. And one of the reasons why I would like to think that I can have some hope on this Yankee team is that there have been plenty of years where the Yankees have hit October and they come in flying high. They come in, the offense is clicking, they're scoring runs, they're you're feeling good. And then when they get to October, the offense goes absolutely south. And, and the failures of this Yankee team, this, this current Yankee group, right, 
since the since the the 2017 the the the, the young bombers going to within a, a game of the World Series. The failures of this team have primarily in the postseason been on the offense because that's the thing that you are supposed to be able to count on. And time and time again, they have not been able to be counted on. And you sometimes can count the runs they score on one hand. And sometimes you don't even need all the fingers. So the reason why I have a little bit of confidence in this year's Yankee team is maybe, just maybe, it might be the opposite. A season where the Yankee offense, if it's not Judge and it's not Stanton, they struggle to score runs. We brought that up time and time again. In wins this year, Judge and Stanton, their OPS in Yankee wins is over 1,000. In Yankee losses, it's under 700. Their batting average in losses is 217. Their batting average in wins, 326. So those two guys have been absolutely monumental all season, but the problem is they've been the only guys in that offense who have been counted on. Now, there might be a guy here or there, but if they're going to start scoring some runs and make it to October, they need more contributions. And tonight, at least so far, at least at 10.07 on a Friday night, it's really kind of hard for this night to go any better. Yankees leading the Red Sox 8-3 as they play in the eighth inning. Not only that, but at last check, the Blue Jays were losing their game to the Minnesota Twins. God, the Twins love the Yankees so much, they not only lose to them, but they also take care of the teams that the Yankees need them to take care of. Now, that, that's a friend. That's a buddy. That's a pal. That's the Minnesota Twins. So we'll see if they can hang on to that game because – uh, unlike uh, the Yankee offense at times, just because the Blue Jays are down, I think it was 3-1 at last check as they played in the uh, sixth inning, uh, just because they're down by a couple of runs, that Blue Jays offense can score runs quickly. They have not done so far, so far tonight. Still down 3-1 as they play in the seventh. But this night so far for the Yankees, it's hard for it to have gone much better. The 8-3 lead, scoring early on in this game, and you'd have to feel a little anxious coming into this game, right, with the way the Yankees played against the Red Sox earlier this year when they dropped all those games, the fact that they have not been very good at Fenway Park this season, and the Yankees come out on a Friday night and, and try to put your mind at ease a little bit early on with Garrett Cole on the mound. And any game with Garrett Cole on the mound obviously takes on greater significance because, what, you got nine games left. You figure you're going to get Cole in, in two of them, right? Though, if you have to go six and three or seven and two in those games, well, you got to be able to count on Garrett Cole starts to be wins. And the Yankees came out tonight and supplied him some offense right off the bat. Just what you wanted to see. There's plenty of times where it feels like you're counting on the Yankee offense to do something and they don't do anything. And in the first inning tonight, Aaron Judge gets involved, Stanton gets involved, which you would expect, but also Glaber Torres gets involved. 3-0 Yankees, feeling good. But, of course, it's the Red Sox. It's Fenway Park. No lead is safe. And then in the third inning, Stanton does it again. Big three-run home run. Higashioka chips in with a base hit as well. And all of a sudden, 7-0, and you're feeling great. You got Garrett Cole on the mound, who I don't know if he was necessarily dominating tonight. I don't know if he was classic Garrett Cole, but... He was getting the job done up to that point, had not given up a run, had only given up a couple of hits, but then runs into trouble, 
Gives up a big home run to Devers. So all of a sudden, 7-3. Yankees come back, score an extra run on uh, Gleyber Torres. Home run to dead center. So 8-3 Yankees as they play in the eighth inning. And uh, this night so far could not have gone better. Now, the Yankees have had far better situations turn far worse in a hurry. And if there was ever a time for the Yankees to just kick you in the teeth again, it's, it, it's whenever you're feeling good about them. And you're feeling pretty good about them with the way they have played tonight. The, the stretch right now, these nine games are going to tell you the tale of the season. And as you have seen countless other times in countless other sports, especially baseball, guys can have terrible regular seasons. And if they come through in October, if they come through during the, 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 the stretch drive of the regular season to get into the postseason, you kind of forget about all those other times. So this is the time for, for Glaber Torres to, to come through with some big hits. This is the time for DJ LeMahieu, a guy you're supposed to be able to count on, to come through with some big hits. This is the time where this lineup has to get right because the pitching's been good enough. It seems like the bullpen has kind of gotten itself straightened away, maybe a little bit. I don't want to say that too loud. I don't want to, 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 to spook the sports gods because anytime that you start to rely on that Yankee bullpen sometimes, be it Chapman, be it Green this year, they let you down. But it looks like that maybe they've gotten some, themselves straightened away. So now the, the big thing is to get this offense rolling to a level where you can expect to score runs on a regular basis, at least during these nine games, because these nine games will tell you the tale of this New York Yankees season. Either A, they make the postseason, or B, it's an abject failure. There's no other way to put it. And just because they make the postseason doesn't rule out it being an abject failure later, but at least at the start of the postseason – at least you can think, you know what, this team that has had plenty of flaws throughout and had to have like a reboot at the trade deadline, they at least made them, they willed themselves into the postseason and beat the teams that they were unable to beat all season long when it mattered most. And maybe that can give you a little bit of confidence if they can get the job done. So a lot of stuff to get into. It is Gordon Damer. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. So the Yankees are, are our focus, obviously, because they uh, lead the Red Sox 8-3 as they play bottom of the eighth inning up at Fenway. And, and time permitting tonight, we will try to do an answers with Aaron segment. And if the Yankees can make short work here, um, it seems like that should be something that uh, could be in the ballpark. We'll take you up till midnight tonight, so maybe some answers with Aaron. We'll hear from Leon Rose a little bit later on. But, you know, we were talking last night with the Panthers' win over the Texans that, um, you know, Panthers sitting at, at 3-0, and Sam Darnold, a couple of touchdown runs, and today and last night you got to hear all the different stats, right? The fact that Sam Darnold has thrown for more touchdown, uh, excuse me, more yards in his three games with the Carolina Panthers than he did at any point in his three games as a Jet. Not at week one or week – no, at any point he has thrown for more yards now with the Panthers in any three-game span that he did with the Jets. Obviously, he's off to a very good start. And, of course, the, the Darnold-Zach Wilson thing is going to be a thing all season long, unfortunately, but it shouldn't be. Nothing that Sam Darnold does has anything to do with Zach Wilson. Like a week ago, 
the Panthers went to 2-0, and and the headlines were, well, this put Zach Wilson on the hot seat. No, it does not. If it does anything, it absolves Zach Wilson of any pressure or any hot seat or any expectations this year. Because if you think that Sam Darnold is now a good quarterback, do you think it's because he learned something new in the offseason, or do you think it's because now he's in a situation that's a pretty good situation to be in? We've run it down a thousand times. And if he's not going to have success in this situation, well, gee, man, it's tough to find. You know, for a, for a first-round pick that did nothing in three years and, and the bust word was, was out there, it's hard to find a better spot to fall into than Sam Darnold fell into. Usually if you go three years and don't do a whole lot, the, the teams that are, that are knocking on your door are not necessarily ideal spots. And I'm not sure that, that Carolina is an ideal spot, but of all the spots that were available this offseason, it's a pretty good one. Now, the one question you had going into the year was their offensive line, but their offensive line has done okay. And now maybe that's partly because on Sundays I get to watch the Jets and the Giants and their offensive lines are still not very good, but it doesn't look that bad to me. You've got an all-world running back whose only question is whether or not he can stay healthy. They have some actual weapons at wide receiver. They have an offensive coordinator in Joe Brady, who's one of the bright young minds of the game. And they have a head coach in Matt Rule, who could kind of call his shot for where he wanted to go in the NFL when it was his time to make that jump. So, yeah, it's not surprising that Sam Darnold is having more success there than he did here. But, again, that has nothing to do with Zach Wilson. Zero. Less than zero. And, as I said, it kind of absolves Zach Wilson of any blame because what you're seeing now is here's two quarterbacks who were drafted in the top three. We don't really know anything about either of them like how good they will be in the NFL, certainly not Wilson, maybe not Darnold. The only thing I would say in this hot take world is it was always kind of set up really well for Carolina to get off to a hot start. When you take a look at what their schedule is and what their their, their September schedule is really about as nice a schedule as you could have to start your year. They have not had a very difficult road to hoe. And even now, after getting a win against the Houston Texans last night, who are one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NFL, they played the Jets in week one, who, again, we, we've touched on it. Like, when are the Jets going to get their, their, their first win of the season? Is it going to be before Halloween? It's tough to find those wins. Those wins are not that easily, you know, you, you would like to have thought, you know, week by week two, you'd be like, all right, maybe they haven't won a game yet. But, you know, they're going to, they play like they have so far. They're going to win some games. I don't think anybody is saying that so far about the New York Jets. They played a Saints team that was decimated by COVID. And then they played the Texans last night. And now they get the Texans on a short week. But now they get 10 days to prepare for a Cowboys team that is playing on Monday night. So, yeah, that's great for, for Sam Darnold. I'm happy for him. He, he deserves to have some, some good things happen to him with, the, with as bad a situation as it was with the New York Jets. But we just need to calm down and stop trying to associate things that have no association to each other. Again, like what do you think the difference is for Sam Darnold? It's that he's playing now with a halfway decent team. 
Now let's see if they can get Carolina to play. And I'll be honest with you, not that I watched the uh, the Panthers Saint game all that much, but I watched the entire Jets Panthers game. I watched the entire game last night against two of the worst teams in the league. I I, I don't even think Darnold played all that well, really. Now I knew he threw for three hundred yards and all. Oh, it's great! It's amazing. He also fumbled like two two times against the Texans. You know that was kind of one of the problems that he had. And if the Texans would just been kind of like regular bad instead of like all time maybe first round first overall pick bad maybe they could have taken advantage I mean they had no ability to score points last night they were a four-win team the Texans with Deshaun Watson a year ago he's not playing the backup and Tyrod Taylor is out and now they're playing a rookie who was drafted in the third round with a collection of I hate to say it stiffs I mean they're a bad team they won four games last year was it four or three? I think it was four games last year. They added a game on this year, and they, their win total for the season, I think, is still four. So that tells you there's not a lot of high expectations for the Houston Texans. So just when it comes to Sam Darnold, I know everybody wants to uh, be the first one to jump ball. Oh, look, this is a sign the Jets could have, should have kept Sam Darnold. No, it is not. If that's your takeaway from watching Sam Darnold while he was here with the Jets and while he's there with the Panthers – I don't know what to tell you, man. Because if you think that if Sam Darnold were still here, that would have changed how Sam Darnold plays or how the Jets have looked so far, you're, you're, you're living, what color is the sky where you live? What color is the sky where you live, man? We got to see more than enough with Sam Darnold, and we knew it was not going to work here. He needed a fresh start. The Jets needed a fresh start. And he got that fresh start, so good for him. He's prospering. He's living well. And I, and I get, I, I could get that, that like maybe for Jet fans, it, it's a little aggravating because you've seen this guy that you were kind of hoping that he was going to be your guy, and it was clear he was not going to be your guy, and now he's going someplace else, and it's clear the problem is you, right? I mean, it's clear the problem is the Jets. It's not Darnold. It's not Wilson. It's the Jets. And they got to improve the overall talent. It's amazing. The Jets... For a team that had, what, 10 first-round picks, got rid of, by all accounts, the worst coach in the sport, spent $100 million in free agency, and we're still sitting here saying, are they going to get a win before Halloween? Well, maybe, what game are they going to win? Are they going to win this game? Are they going to get four wins this year? I mean, that's... I know it's a, I know it's a found it's a, it's a new start and it's a rookie quarterback and it's only two games but man I can understand why you'd be frustrated but if your takeaway is that Sam Darnold the Jets made a mistake by getting rid of him uh, I, I think you're just being short sighted because the only way he would have this success was by leaving the Jets one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number all right let's go out to the phones I've spoken long enough let's go to Robbie in uh, Massachusetts Robbie you're first up ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon, what's going on? Well, I guess it's a good night for the Yankees so far, but I have to talk about a couple of things. Uh, Gleyber Torres seems to be much more relaxed in the box. He look, doesn't look like he's trying to kill the ball. And I'm just curious about LeMayu. I mean, if you didn't start LeMayu leading off, okay, who would you lead off with? Because this team, I, I would like Darty lead off. I mean, he's really hitting the ball well, and also he gives that element of speed. But would you have taken Paul on the sixth inning? I know it's Fenway Park, you know, but... This Boone bothers me. You're paying this guy $30 million to be your starter on your horse. He's throwing 99 miles an hour in the sixth thing. Why are you removing him from the game? I just don't get it. I know you, you have a you know, Rob, lead, Robbie, 
I, yeah. I, I mean, he yeah. was throwing hard. I didn't really feel like Cole was was typical Cole tonight. I know he only gave but up the one, the yeah. home run. I, right. I didn't get the sense that he was like dominating by any stretch of the imagination. So I didn't really have a problem going to the bullpen there because um, right. you know at Fenway it just takes you know one hit here, one hit there, and all of a sudden things can go really, really right. wrong, really, really fast. Yeah, he walked a couple of guys. Yeah. It looks like Glaber. You know, it looks like Glaber's finding himself. But I wanted to ask you about the Giants, okay? I expect them to score a lot of points against Atlanta because Atlanta's not a very good defense. But what can Patrick Graham do that he's not doing, you know, for a couple of weeks? Why isn't this team more aggressive? Like last night I watched the Panthers, and they were just aggressive. I mean, they were just blitzing this, this rookie kid, you know. And I just don't get what, what Graham's game plan is. Like, I don't understand what he's thinking. It's like, I mean, they signed, you know, Williams to this huge contract. The guy's been invisible for two weeks. I mean, it's I don't get what what they're trying to do defensively. And, you know, I don't like the 34 defense. When you don't have dominant linebackers, why are the Giants playing at 34? I just I can't quite understand why the 3-4 why the defense. I guess it worked last year, but you know what it is, Gordon? They don't have one guy that scares you. There's not a guy that where opposing teams sit in the locker room, you know, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the war room all week and say, we got to stop this guy. we got to put together a, a, you know, an offensive line plan to stop this guy. And I really feel that Gettleman has really just neglected the offensive and defensive lines over the last few years. And I think that's been the biggest problem in this team. It's their Achilles heel. You stink in the trenches, you're not going to win. I mean, that's all there is to it. And, you know, look at their schedule, Gordon. What do you realistically see them doing, honestly? Well, look, I mean, I look mean at how tough their yeah, schedule's at. It's, look, it's two weeks. I've seen some things I like, Robbie, and thanks for the phone call. I've seen some things that I don't like. Um, I mean, they have to get a win this week, right? They they have to they have to beat the Falcons. They don't they don't beat the Falcons as I said in the open. Let the purge begin. I I would not have a problem, uh, basically, you know, telling people at that point, you know, you're not going to be back. This person's not going to be back. I mean, if you're starting zero and three and losing to the Falcons, who are uh, the worst foot, the worst defense in the sport. Uh, yeah, that, that that's really really bad. I don't think that they're going to lose. And if you win that game, one win can make a whole lot of difference. All of a sudden, you'll start to rash. Well, you know what? The Saints, they're not all that good. We'll get back to 500 there, you know? So um, that's the one thing I'll, I'll disagree with. I don't think that Gettleman has neglected the offensive and defensive line. He's, pl- he's spent plenty of resources on both. The problem is, is that it really hasn't paid the dividends that you're hoping for, right? Like you can, you can, I mean, Gettleman has spent money. He's, he's bought, he's had free agents. He's traded for guys. He's spent draft picks on guys. I mean, he, they've used a lot of draft picks on offensive linemen. The problem is, is he's not picked the right guys. There's, they're still now they're not the 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 abominable offensive line maybe they were a couple of years ago, but it's not it's not a strength. Like if you would have told anyone in in year four of Gettleman with the way he came in in the press conference, we got to fix this offensive line. And I don't know, is the offensive line really better? I mean, I guess it's better. But it's not great. It's not a strength. It's not something you rely on week in and week out. And, and, and you're right. I mean, they don't – you know, the thing on defense about them, it's just they st- – for, for, for having as many great defensive backs or, or, or as much talent in the, in the secondary as you think they have, you would think they'd be playing like a little bit more aggressively with their corners. It feels like they play very passive. Uh, and with the addition of a Dory Jackson – I would have thought that that would have been, you know, something that they would have been able to take advantage of. 
Uh, but that has not been the case so far. I mean, their defense, for every conversation we have about the Giants, it's always focused primarily on the offense, right? So it's Daniel Jones. It's the offensive line. The Giants' problem has been the defense. The defense has been terrible in two weeks. And Matt Ryan has not been very good. I don't want to hear uh, on Monday, well, you know, Matt Ryan, he turned back the clock a little bit. They're not a good team. They, the Giants have to go out there and shut down the Falcons on Sunday. There is no, there's no excuses in the world if they don't win that game. And, and, and it shouldn't really even be close. Like, if you think of anything of the Giants, this should not be a close game. Let's go out to uh, Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, what's going on, pal? Hey, what's going on, Gordon? How you doing tonight, Jake? I'm good, man. What's going on? All right, listen. I'm listening to the call early. I mean, as much as we like to get on Boone, you pull Cole and you pull Holmes appropriately. Yeah, I didn't right have a problem with you. Yep. You said problem. That was exactly what he needed. You saw Cole's face after he gave up that 3-1 shot. That, that was not – we were lucky. That other ball that he got hit after that yeah, was damn was near at the warning track, too. That, there's no way – if you let him come back in the seventh inning, absolutely no way. And also a great play by Gallo in left to prevent that extra base hit. That was a sneaky great play right there, you know? Yeah, well, look, uh, Boone, um, Boone in the postseason sometimes I feel like he's been a little lax going to the bullpen, so I, I, I prefer my manager to be aggressive, even if it's, you know, dealing with somebody like Cole. If, if, the, if you have any faith in the bullpen at all, that was the time to get Cole out of that game. It wasn't even proactive. That was – if you didn't do that, it was going to be seven to five, and it was going to be seven to six before you knew it. That, that, that was the appropriate move. There was no other move to make there. Come on, stop it. There was no other move to make there. Cole was running out of games. Well, look, Cole has, hit, Cole has talked his way into staying in games other times this year. I mean, we've seen that. Yeah, but right now, can we afford that? We can't do no, like that. No, I agree. There's no way. I agree. There's no way. Listen, um,. You know, I'm listening to, to the, um, the the Sam Donald calls as usual. I mean, like you said, I mean, Gordon, this is one thing I love about you, man, is that, you know, first of all, you're not a homie. You're not a Jets fan anyway. You know, I'm, I'm a Jets fan, no. but I'm not a fan boy. You know, I got to call it like I see it. I mean, listen, these people that are calling up here about Sam Donald and how good he looked. First of all, the, the, their first three games were cream puffs, <laughs> us included. Exactly. You know what I mean? If they didn't yeah. win those games, you'd be worried about them. But – I spoke with Chris last week, and I spoke to him. I said, listen, I like having a two-back system instead of, instead of having, like, that one back that he could do everything. I like having uh, in-between-the-tackles back, and I like having that third-down back or, you know, that, that versatile back, maybe first-down back who, who can catch a pass out of it. McCaffrey, yeah, he's been hurt a lot. You understand what I'm talking about? When you look yeah. at Derrick Henry and what they're asking him to do, he hasn't been hurt at all. And, um, you know, Dalvin Cook, he's another guy who's been hurt a lot. And then also Saquon Barkley. So, you know, it, you know, I, I feel bad for, for McCaffrey to a certain extent. Sam Donald, I mean, I'm glad he's having some measure of success. But we all know that this is not going to end up like that through a full season. Uh, you know, I just really, as a Jets fan, this week here, you know, um, this week here, seriously, all jokes aside, and um, I hear the way Salah was talking, and I hear his interviews and everything like that. Um, we, the record wins and losses is not something that was so important this year. But whether they win or lose this game is not significant. The way it plays out is more important. Because if it looks like 
the young guy is um, not a kind of kid who can play. I was listening to Anita Marks, and he was talking about that. He didn't play this way in high school. Listen, I don't care how you played in high school, and I don't, play how, I don't care how you played in college. This guy cannot be out here throwing 35 passes this weekend, running around, you know, um, not, not on his fault. Because he's a young kid, and the part that pisses you off as a Jets fan is when you see the same cycle of, 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 of BS go on. He should not be looked at as the reason why we win or lose. He should be looked at as a cog of the team whether we win or lose. They cannot put him in that position to be throwing his ball all over the yard here in Denver. I mean, I know that um, Bradley Chubb is out, but – I think they have – I forgot the kid's name. They have a, a backup, you know, and then they also have Vaughn Miller. Same way Saquon Barkley is taking a long time to – you know, a gradual time to get healthy. He's getting healthy. But meanwhile, he had two sacks against the Giants. So what's he going to look like when he's healthy? Five? they, they got to be real careful here. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I do think that there is a, a little bit of, uh, you know, what Salah said, and Buddha thanks for the phone call about – He's got to kind of play within the system, and that's not really what he's done. I mean, you know, <laughs> you telling me he was playing within the system last year against uh, Louisiana Tech or whatever they were playing. You know, he was he was whipping the ball around the, the the field, and he has this magic arm. And every step of the way, I'm sure that his arm has been able to get him out of uh, a lot of uh, of problems. So that's something that he's going to have to learn at this level because uh, this level is is a as a heck of a lot further up. Um, than, than levels that he's played at before. So we all said before the season the Jets have more talent than they did a year ago. The problem is, you're right, like it's not about wins and losses per se, but the two games that they have played so far, there has been one aspect at least that has been so glaring that you can't even like take the moral victories because that one aspect was so bad. Like the offensive line was so comically bad in week one I mean, the Jets were not, like, blown out of that game, but it was kind of hard to be like, well, you know, defense played well, or this, you know, when the offensive line was that bad, you're worried that the the guy that you took with the second pick in the draft is going to get killed with the way the offensive line was in in week one. And then last week, the quarterback was so bad, it's kind of hard to, to look at, well, you know, we were kind of in that game. If he had played even, like, a mediocre game, the Jets, you know, would have been right there. But you can't really feel that way because the quarterback, I mean, he was terrible. There's no other way to put it. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It started as a good night, and now it's a great night. It is a Yankee win. Yankees finish off the Red Sox. 8-3. to So the updated standings, Red Sox lead the Yankees by only a game. And at least right now, at this moment in time, Yankees up a game and a half on the Blue Jays. And just checking in on Toronto, they are still trailing the Twins 3-1, bottom eight in Minnesota. So the Blue Jays are now three outs away from dropping to two full games Behind the Yankees. So we'll get into this Yankee win here coming up. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And, you know, you like to take something out of every game. So there's one piece of information, and Robbie actually kind of hit on it a little bit, uh, that we'll get into here coming up. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Steve is in Queens. Steve, you're next up on ESPN New York. 
Hey, what's going on, Dame? Uh, Gordon, how are you? I'm good, Steve. What's going on, man? Uh, two things, two points about the New York football teams, if I may. Um, first, with the Jets, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, Sam, Sam Darnold, um, listen, he was just as bad as the Jets rookie quarterback was that first game. I mean, he still had the same issues he had. He couldn't plant his feet properly when he threw the ball. Um, you know, sometimes he just let go of the ball too quickly to go to, to the dying coverage. And it was just the fact that he just happened to play as less bad as um, – like I forgot the guy, the kid's name, whoever the Jets drafted. He just, and, he, and he had somewhat, yeah, Zach Wilson, thank you. And, and he just had a better offensive line, which gave him just a half a second more time. But um, overall, and even this last week I saw him play, he was just making four-yard passes every play. I mean, you know, he, they were one in a high school offense, really, on, on passing downs. And, you know, that adds up, you know. Daniel Jones does the same exact thing with the Giants in their offense. Like, they run these such mediocre plays where it's like a five-yard check down, like, three out of five passing plays, and it adds up. You know, your completion percentage goes up. You don't really make these huge passes. Um, he really didn't make any, like, sort of NFL-type throws that you'd see a Tom Brady make or, you know, like a James Winston make once in a while. He was just making just uh, elementary passes. Um, again, you're playing terrible teams. Look at their schedule the next four weeks. I guarantee they go, they lose at least three of these next four weeks, and they finish the year around 7 and 10. So, Check well, to calm down. I, I think the and, next yeah. game is still kind of set up well for them because they get Dallas on, uh, you know, Dallas plays this week on Monday night. So they get the short week, whereas Carolina gets 10 days to prepare for that game. So that's, that's a really nice send off. The problem is really for Carolina end of the season, week 15, the bills week 16, the bucks week 17, the saints, and then week 18, the bucks again. So they get the bucks twice oh. in, in two weeks. So, uh, who knows? Maybe yeah, the Bucks will be riddled with right injuries there. at that point, but uh, that that looks a little bit more imposing than certainly the start of the season has been for Carolina. Look, uh, if you absolutely. look at Sam's stats, thing. if you look at Sam's stats, they do look good. But if you've actually sat here and watched the games and you know who they're playing, they're playing terrible. They played two of the worst teams in the sport by far. Yeah, but you can, like I said, you can pad stats. I watched every play of. Oh both yeah, games. no, absolutely. He's throwing five yard passes. Right. That's it. Yeah. I mean, anyone can do that. Like it's yeah. not like you know he's doing anything extraordinary out there. But also, if you look at Daniel Jones, which is kind of similar, and, and I think it's the reason why the Giants. I mean, it's outlandish to me they drafted this guy Kadarius Tony in the first round. Uh, you know, yeah, and he had so many needs on the O line and the D line. It just it just proves the point though. Like. I think the Giants coaching staff knows Daniel Jones is just not the guy. Like, if you look every week, he'll have two drives where, like, he looks like he's Troy Aikman, and, you know, he'll throw these amazing scene passes where only his receiver can catch it and he'll score touchdowns. But he has nothing else for the rest of the game. And it's like that every week for the last three seasons. So it's kind of strange, and it just shows he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't have enough, like, he doesn't have enough throws in his repertoire. He can only make a certain hard throw, but everything else has to be an elementary throw. And he needs handicapped guys like a Kadarius Tony, you know, so he could throw like a bubble screen or something and let the guy, you know, in space do his thing, you know. But it just goes to show they just, listen, Gettleman just doesn't have an eye for talent. Whoever he's drafted, it's just not good. He just can't perform. He, you know, he, he, he just can't hit on anybody. Yeah, um, uh, look, and, uh, Steve, I'm a little higher on Jones than you are, and thanks for the phone call. I mean, look, um, I'm willing to give Jones the 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 uh, the, the whole season this year, right? We'll see where we're at. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not dismissing your concerns. Uh, I thought he was good against Washington. He's always good against Washington for whatever reason. He's really good against Washington. 
he better be good against Atlanta because if he's not, well, then, yeah, they, 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 the search can begin. Um, you have to see a lot out of this team. You have to see a win on Sunday, and you got to see a lot out of Daniel Jones. And at this stage, two steps forward, one step back is not good enough. He should be, at this point, somebody, I'm not saying week in and week out, but more times than not, you should be relying on Daniel Jones. Now, part of it is that, that Barkley has not been 100% as of yet or has not been at least 100% of the factor that you would like him to be. And just that pick of Kadarius Tony, that seems, I mean, by the day, day by day, it seems like that's a stranger and stranger pick because he's, he's probably not going to, if he gives you anything this season, it'll, be, it'll almost kind of be an upset. Uh, he was not a receiver in college. He's not really a polished receiver. He's kind of like a gadget player. He's had all these different things happen to him, COVID, injuries, training camp, all these different things, and it doesn't seem like even when he does get on the field that he is going to have a, a – now, look, it only for a player like him, it only takes him one play, but you're still waiting on that one play. And whether or not uh, Jason Garrett's able to really – I mean, that was one of the questions you had at the time, right? Like, is Jason Garrett going to be the person who maximizes Kadarius Toney? Now, Tony's done a lot of things on his own not to be on the field, but, um, yeah, that seems like a uh, more and more curious pick uh, by the day. Brian, hit the chimes again. Good night just got better for the Yankees. The Blue Jays have lost to the Minnesota Twins. Could you imagine if the, if the roles were reversed? Oh, my God, Yankee fans would be outraged. The Yankees lost to the Twins? Fire Cashman, fire Boone, get them out, deport them, make sure they're not even allowed back in the state anymore. Yeah, it happens. Blue Jays lose the Twins tonight 3-1. So the Yankees now closer to the Red Sox for that first wild card than the Blue Jays are to the Yankees. Now, look, it's only one game. And uh, this the, the worst thing you can do when it comes to the New York Yankees is have full faith in them. Because as soon as you start to believe, hey, you know what? Maybe this happens. Maybe that happens. The roof caves in. And we've seen that countless times. But a win tonight, good way to start that, the, uh, the series at Fenway. You need to get the, the two, whatever, how many starts Garrett Cole starts the rest of the way. I'm assuming it's two. Uh, that you have to win those games. And they got the job done tonight. I don't know that Cole was necessarily dominating, but he got the job done. It was a quality start. And uh, the Yankees got the win. Blue Jays lose, so now it's Red Sox up by one over the Yankees. Yankees up by two over Toronto. So certainly a good start to the uh, series at Fenway. And look, again, I almost don't want to say this out loud because I feel like, uh, and I don't even believe in jinxes, but I don't want to jinx whatever progress there may be. Is it just possible that Glaber Torres might possibly be kind of maybe possibly finding his way out of this just horrendous season that he has had first inning the big base hit seventh inning the big home run after the after the Red Sox had gotten on the board even though it's 7-3 it's Fenway man and for 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 Glaber to come up with that home run there I thought that was big right after the Red Sox score right after they start to get a little bit of life right after the the, the Red Sox crowd at Fenway starts to get back into it after being shut down and 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 clobbered over the head all night here comes Glaber with a home run in the seventh inning and, and to make it an eight three game and look I'm not going to tell you that there's been a huge course correction in terms of like he was so bad. Now the opposite is happening, 
but his numbers are far more in line with what you would expect from Glaber Torres. Last th- uh, last two weeks, hitting 319, an on-base of almost 400. In the month of September, 277, uh, an on-base of 347. And since making the move back to second base, I think it's crazy that his his the, the defense was weighing on his mind that much because his offense was a far bigger issue than even his defense was. But since he's moved back to second base, he's hitting 314 and on base of 415. Now, the slugging is still down, but you can live with those numbers if, if, it, if they're going to be somewhat consistent. And that has been the question with this Yankees team in terms of the offense. You know you can get it from Judge. You know you get it from Stanton. But who else are you going to get it from? Because there's just been way too many outs in that Yankee order, and nobody has been a bigger issue the entire season than the disappearing act of Glaber Torres. So with eight games left now and the season riding on how these eight games go, if these last two weeks, if this month of September is any indication of the type of Glaber Torres you're going to get down the stretch and, and maybe into the postseason, man, that is a welcome, welcome sight. You get a nice Yankee win, the offense scoring runs, Garrett Cole getting the job done, because you and I, we were talking earlier about, well, you know, they took Cole out and it was the right time and, and it was based on the results. Because you and I both know if they left Garrett Cole in and he gave up runs or they took him out and the bullpen gave up runs, well, then Aaron Boone would have been an idiot for doing either one. So it worked out great. Boone gets the Yankees through it and the bullpen gets the job done and the Yankees get a win over the Red Sox 8-3. So that's one great thing, right? You know you got to win these games. Everybody's kind of been thinking about these final nine. Do they got to go six and three? Do they got to go seven and two? Do they got to go eight and one? What do they got to do to get into the playoffs? And and we'll see some some October baseball, at least for one day in the wild card game, hopefully more than that. So that's a great thing on a Friday night. Uh, Glaber Torres now with a 10-game hitting streak, as I mentioned earlier. His play lately Maybe a sign of things to come. So that's all good. I gave you the the Blue Jays. They lose their game to the Twins. So now the Yankees with a two-game lead over Toronto, which is a beautiful thing. You hope that that continues. You hope that the Twins can go out there and keep it going, brother. Keep, keep it going, Pat. I mean, that that how nice have the Twins been to the Yankees over the years? Now, usually it's with losses to the Yankees. Thank God for the Minnesota Twins, uh, and thank God tonight they go out there and they take care of the Blue Jays and that high-powered offense, and they shut them down 3-1. So now two back of the Yankees in the race for the final wild card. And then break out the chimes again, Brian, because the good news doesn't stop. Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I know this is not probably one game that you were really focused on, but the Rays beat the Marlins tonight 8 nothing. So now their magic number to clinch the American League East is down to two. Now that wouldn't seem like it's all that important, and maybe in the grand scheme of things it's not, but you would like to think that you want to get to those three games against the Rays with they they're not meaning to the Yankees. That would be great, but that seems a little unlikely. But you certainly want to get to those final three games without them meeting anything 
to the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't, I don't want to go into that series with Tampa needing anything to happen for them. I want them to be thinking about the playoffs and division series and setting up their pitching and getting their guys some rest in the final three days and hopefully throwing out a bunch of guys that nobody's really heard of. Now, the problem with the Rays is sometimes their best guys are the guys that nobody's ever heard of. Like, if they get a pitcher in the starting rotation and all of a sudden everybody knows who they are, it's like they trade them away right away. But hopefully that's a sign that the Rays will wrap things up. I mean, they are playing the Marlins here, so you'd like to think that another Red Sox loss tomorrow, another Rays win tomorrow against the Marlins, and all of a sudden that will be wrapped up. Now that's a little bit further down the line. I get it. We're only thinking about these three games against the Red Sox right now. You're only thinking about this series and then what the Blue Jays are doing, and the Rays are not factoring in on it. But it's almost like uh, the ice cream sundae. It's like the little cherry on top. The ice cream is the Yankee win. The hot fudge is the Red Sox loss. The whipped cream is the Blue Jays loss. And then the Rays wrapping up that division so that that game doesn't matter whatsoever is maybe like the sprinkles. you like the sprinkles or you like the cherry on top? I think I like the sprinkles better, even though they don't taste like anything. Just a little, you know, just a little something there to throw in a little color sometimes. But there's the story with the baseball. We'll have answers with Aaron, hopefully looking at maybe uh, 11.20 tonight. We'll see. I'm sure it's a very jubilant Aaron Boone. It's a very happy Aaron Boone. I wonder if his happiness matches his optimism. Because then you know that it was a good night, if the happiness matches the optimism. So uh, we'll continue to focus in on the Yankees. If you want to have uh, your say, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. But I did kind of want to touch on... Uh, this Giants game on Sunday. And, you know, it was a week ago on Saturday after the Giants lost that now had 10 days off after that Washington defeat. And, you know, even though it's week two and I don't buy that the season's over, right? Like, you can't have your season be over in week two. I will say this for the crowd that believes that, and they're generally Giant fans that are just sick of the losing, and I get it. Um, That loss almost certainly will impact you throughout the season, right? Like, I don't think the Giants, I don't even know if they're a good team, but let's say they are a good team, and they, they, they might be in the playoffs this year. They might figure out a way to, to get a wild card or who knows what happens in the division. It seems unlikely losing a game, like even in week two, that feels like a game that you'll look back on at when you get down to the, the stretch of the season and think to yourself, man, if we had just won that game, If we had just won that game, we had it. It was ours. The game was over. And you let it slip away. So it's hard to believe that that game won't come back to bite you somewhere down the road in terms of wins and losses and tiebreakers and all those type of things. But the game this week, this is the game that everybody, or at least a lot of people, were making out last week to be. This Falcons team, I've run it down for you countless numbers of ways. This is not a good football team. They've added 25 guys to this roster from last year, and they're probably worse. Like the reasons for maybe some optimism this year for for the Atlanta Falcons was, well, you know what? Maybe Matt Ryan, they move off Julio Jones, but you got Calvin Ridley there. You bring in the tight end Kyle Pitts. Maybe Matt Ryan can kind of have a turn-back-the-clock kind of season, and at least through two games, that does not seem to be the case. And – you wonder if this season goes sideways. Well, look, they, they, they'll have a very high pick in the draft again this year. 
But when they were sitting there at four in the draft and it's quarterback, 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 and they made it clear before the draft they were going with Kyle Pitts. They knew because of the the money situation with Julio Jones and his contract that they were going to be uh, looking to add another offensive playmaker. For a team that won four games last year and for a team that, I don't know, man, might only win four games this year, uh, that, that pick there, I, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fantastic player, and I'm sure he'll be a star in this league. But tight end, when you're a team that just has holes left and right, uh, maybe not the best uh, use of, of your resources there. So this is absolutely a game that the Giants have to win. This is a game that the Giants should absolutely win. And the, the, the excuses are done. Like, a lot of people were out of the excuses after week two. If you go out on Eli Manning night and lose to the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> there is and, – and it's almost like the, the reasons that people were giving last week. People were saying, well, you know, if you lose to, the, to Washington, if you lose to the football team, which games are you going to win? Well, then I, I, think, I think that at least Washington has a chance to be a halfway decent team. I think that Washington – now, maybe part of it is because I watched them play the Giants and they look so good. <laughs> Taylor Heineke looked like, wow, this guy can really play. I don't know, maybe a few more weeks of Tyler Heineke and I might not feel that way. But if you can't beat the Atlanta Falcons, you're talking about a five-win Giant team. You're at home. You have to win this game. And it just shows you that the, the optimism surrounding the Giants. Now, look. Vegas has had a far better read on this giant season, at least so far. I mentioned last Saturday, the scariest number for the Giants coming into week three was uh, at this time a week ago, if you looked at the line for this game, the Giants were only favored by a point and a half at home against the Falcons team that is going to be a bad team. They I mean, it looks like they're going to be roughly about what they were last year. Maybe they win a few more games. I'd have to take a look at their schedule and run it down, but uh, it's hard to, to find ways that they're going to all of a sudden get six or seven wins. So if you don't win this game, if you're the Giants, what games are you winning? You're going to lose to the Falcons, but you're going to beat the Cowboys? You're going to lose to the Falcons, but you're going to beat the Rams? You're going to beat the Chiefs? In Kansas City, you're going to beat the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. And it's not just about finding one or two. I mean, you got to get to nine wins. That's That should be the goal. And if you're losing to the Falcons, there's no way you're getting a nine. I'm sorry, you're just not. They're, 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 this has, has to be the, the circle date, and this has to be – this is the Rubicon. And if the Giants don't win this game against Atlanta, their season is absolutely toast. So I expect them to come out. It's going to be, I'm sure, an emotional night because, you know, of Eli Manning being there. and Or, excuse me, it's a day game. But you know what I'm saying, an emotional day with Eli Manning being there. I'm sure a lot of the former players are going to be there. And you're coming off one of the – it has to be one of the worst week two losses in the history of the NFL, and you've had now 10 days to stew on it. You had 10 days to stew on the fact that you had that game – wrapped up it was yours and you let it get away 11 penalties the 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 um the the passiveness of the offense after getting the turnover when it looked like the game was lost here comes James Bradbury to save the day and for your coaching staff to just play it in such a way that you allow the other team to hang around and 10 days after your defense 
just got absolutely carved up. They got carved up in that game. They got carved up in the fourth quarter. So if there is ever going to be a rallying cry for the New York Giants, if there's ever going to be a moment of, you know what, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore, this would be the perfect opponent to get the job done against. Now, I'm not telling you if they win this game that all of a sudden the season is saved and everything's going to be uh, sunshine and roses. But you, if you don't win this game, the season is over. And you can now start the conversation at that point at, at 0-3 – will absolutely be not so much focused on um, you know, the individual games as much as it will be on the individual changes. Because at 0-3, you know for sure at that point you're winning five or six games, and there is no big leap forward. Last year, based on the second half, you thought that, you know what, this, this is the first sign that the organization might be pointed in the, right, in the right direction in a very long time. It has taken the Giants two games, and if they lose this game, three games, to take whatever optimism there might have been coming into the year based on the second half, based on the free agent signings, and completely flush that down the toilet. I mean, I don't even know how to answer that. That's an impossible um, question to answer knowing um, there may be something to it. It may just be a good player starting to lock in at this time of the year um, or a little bit of both. Uh, but it's impossible for for me or anyone to say for certain why somebody's doing something. But all I know is that he's playing really well for us right now. I feel like he's done a really good job after those first couple of games when he went to second where he made a couple of mistakes. He's been really good over there, turned some really good double plays for us. And and looking like the hitter, we know that he is up there in the box. And again, hitting where he is in the order, you know, behind the big boys, you know, he, there's going to be opportunities. And, and you know, he's a, a guy we want up there with runners on. All right. So there is uh, Aaron Boone on uh, Glaber Torres asked the question is uh, the shift to second base, the thing that has gotten Glaber going. And I think he's right. I mean, like it's kind of impossible to know, but boy, oh boy, it'll be a hell of a coincidence, right? I mean, I, I thought the same thing when they were talking about playing Stanton in the outfield. He went to the outfield. He started hitting a lot better. There, there was no question. I mean, at one point, it's kind of forgotten now, and, and, and maybe it's a little bit more pronounced because Stanton is just so uh, – he's such a streaky hitter that when he's on, man, he is, he's locked in, and then he'll have some, some slumps. Um, but before he moved to the outfield, again, he was like on pace for a season with like 25 home runs and like 75 ribbies. I mean, it was not the season that it's turned out to be. So he, since he's moved to the outfield, he's been a more productive hitter. And since Glaber has moved to second bit, now I think it's crazy because for his defense to be weighing on him that much that now that he's back at second, he feels more comfortable hitting because again, his hitting was uh, the bigger issue than the defense at shortstop. But I mean, I ran, I, I ran the numbers down for you. Last two weeks, he's hitting 319 and on base of almost 400. In the month of September, 277. Uh, since he's moved to second, 314, 415 on base with a slugging of 371. And tonight, a home run in the seventh inning. And to show you just how lacking his power has been, this is a great uh, little fact from Katie Sharp. Glaber's home run in the seventh inning was his first home run at an American League road ballpark all season. I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? I mean, his 
his power numbers have just been that anemic. But, um, I mean, maybe it's not uh, that, that hard to believe considering he's, he's just not hit that many home runs this year. So uh, the fact that uh, this is his first one at a road ballpark when he's not hit for, you know, the home runs that you would expect and not even the extra base hits. Even now, he's got 27 base, extra base hits on the entire season. And he's played in almost 120 games. So uh, that tells you. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to uh, Tony is in the Bronx. Tony, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, how's it going? I'll make hey, it quick. So, oh, so, yeah, I just want to make it uh, make it a real quick point. Um, I, in, my, in my book, you went three for three with the uh, Aaron, Aaron Boone interviews. You know, he may not have said grind. He said navigate, you know, but I, I feel like he meant to say grind. Yes, he probably you know? did mean to but, say grind. He's just spiting me, Tony. That's what he does. Now, look, uh, you know, I put it out there. <laughs> you know the areas he's going to focus, and sometimes it's just difficult to get the terminology. But he does like, you know, he's a baseball manager, so there's certain terminology that they're always going to use. Grind. When a pitcher gets the job done, but it was a little tougher than, than maybe you would like it to be, uh, that's a grind. So I thought he would go grind there. I put my neck out. I was wrong. I, I can admit when I'm wrong, Tony. I have no problem. Uh, in my mind, you went three for three, buddy. You know. God but bless you, Tony. Thanks for taking my call. You know. Yes. Bye. All right, Tony. There you, Tony just wanted to chime in on answers with Aaron. Well, there you go. I think that's the first reaction we've ever had to answers with Aaron, despite the the overwhelming success that we've had with answers with Aaron. I think that's the first time that we have, uh, we've taken a call on it. So since I've been here. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Look, that's very nice of Tony. Tony's keeping score at home. You know, like when they say during the ball, you know, if you're scoring at home, that's an E five. I don't think that there's anybody actually scoring at home. I'm sure there is somebody somewhere, but uh, Tony is keeping his own little tabulations on the answers with Aaron segment. And for him, he's putting it down as a win. So that's all I can go with. That's all I can go with. And, uh, look, hopefully the Yankees are able to get a couple more wins here. Hopefully the Blue Jays lose a couple more games because we need some. uh, If we have ever needed some October baseball in our lives, we need it this year, man. I'm already kind of dreading week three of the NFL season because doing these shows, I got to watch the Jets. I got to watch the Giants. And then if I get any free time, the next thing up is my own team. They stink. So... You have all these great games going on. I set up the two TVs so I can watch everything at once. But the primary TV is always the local team. So it's either the Jets or the Giants. The nice thing this week was I only had to watch one of them because the Giants were on Thursday. Until either the Jets or the Giants get to be a winning team, they should be forced to not play on Sunday in the normal slot. They should be almost relegated to a different day. You need a you legally. You should not, as a football fan, you should not be allowed to follow up a Jets game with a Giants game, a Giants game with a Jets game. It's not good for your body to be sitting that period of time for like seven hours, not doing anything, not moving, just sitting in your own filth like I do on a Sunday in my own pajamas. <laughs> seven o'clock up oh, look at that i didn't get a shower in again today eh, eh, it'll happen one of these days sundays it's tough it's tough to mix in the shower sometimes but you should not be allowed you should not be forced to watch like a jet game and then a giant i mean there's so much fun stuff going on 
But those two teams, it's tough, man. At least the Giants gave you something against Washington. But you watch them against the Broncos. If they lose, I, I swear to God, if they lose this week, oh, my God, it, it's going to be it's going to be brutal. So the NFL, they announced like they're making changes for the playoffs with the additional playoff game. So now there'll be games Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, they should force the Jets and the Giants until they get to be a 500 team, not even over 500, but a 500 team. They should be relegated to a Thursday night, a Sunday night against the, you know, while the, the regular Sunday night game is going on, Giants have to play on Sunday night. Monday night against the, Monday, the regular Monday night game. Something. Because I can't take the, the Sundays of those two teams back-to-back. I want to I watch the Chiefs. I want to watch the Ravens. I want to watch these. And not just the highlights, not just on a replay on Game Pass. I want to watch those games start to finish. And not with my, my mind distracted about the, the Giants' defense giving up another first down to some second-rate quarterback, the Jets not being able to get out of their own way. Do you realize? And you, people, people might think I'm kidding, but the Jets have not won a September game since Sam Darnold's first game. That's the last time they won a game in September. Guy's not on the team anymore. That is brutal. And now the the Giants, since the last time they they went to the playoffs, in the month of September, they are 5-27. and And I'm sitting there watching them week in and week out And, you know, you got friends that are out doing things, living their lives. I don't want to do any of those things. But if you ask me, would you rather do those things than watch the Jets? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'd like like to go for, like, a bike ride in the the park. Yeah, why not? Now, look, I'd rather watch football, but I'd rather watch good football. And, unfortunately, sitting here in New York, you don't get to watch any good football. So we need the Yankees. I know Met fans don't believe it. But we need the Yankees to make the playoffs. We need something that's got a little life, a little juice, because God knows the Jets aren't giving it to you, and God knows the Giants aren't giving it to you. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.